Dr. Debbie here, and just a quick announcement before we get to today's episode. Has someone shattered your trust? Have you been blindsided by betrayal? It's a total shock to the body and mind. Some of us recover, and many others stay sick, bitter, angry, resentful, and stuck. If that's you, I have a research-based solution. My new book, Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence and Happiness is now available. In the book, I literally walk you through the five stages of betrayal all the way to transformation with all kinds of examples, stories, and activities so you heal as you're moving through the book. I've also shared my very personal story along with those who participated in my PhD study so you can see how others move through their experiences too. Of course, I'm also teaching you my four-part trust rebuilding process so you can learn to feel safe again, love again, trust again. So here's what you do. Go to the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. That's thepbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. Why? Because there's a link on that page that'll take you to Amazon, but I want you to know about it because once you get the book, come back to that page, enter your receipt, and then you get some amazing bonus gifts. Can't wait to share the book with you. And if you have friends or a group who'd benefit, get it for them too, because I'm giving tickets to a very special workshop for anyone who purchases more than five copies. ThePBTInstitute.com forward slash trust again. Okay, now on to today's episode. Okay, everybody. So I'm with Holly Jean Jackson today, and we're going to be talking about, she's actually going to be sharing her road from betrayal to business and all the steps it led to. So if you're struggling with a betrayal now and you're not, and you're wondering, what the heck am I going to do with this? What could it lead to? I brought in someone to show you just one of the examples of what's something, you know, something really good that can happen from something really bad. So welcome, Holly. Thanks, Debbie. It's so great to be here. I'm really excited to share my journey and the betrayals and how it can become something really great. Good. Wonderful. So let's just dive right in because for you to do the work you're doing now, and we spoke a little bit before I hit record, it was sort of based off of some pain in the past. Can we start there? Tell us, yeah. Tell us what, what, you know, where it started. Yeah, well, there's a lot of pain from the past. I had some health challenges, but my biggest betrayal was I was married um, for about six years. And towards the end of our marriage, we moved across country for his job. And he decided all of a sudden, for me, out of the blue, that he wanted a divorce. And he asked for that divorce on text message. Within seconds, this text message asking for a divorce also went on to say, I've contacted a real estate agent to sell the house we had just bought and that he was going to take one of our dogs. Uh, we had two dogs together and he was leaving me with the more anxious, um, high maintenance dog. And then additionally- Well, hold I on. I, I, we yeah. can't go past that without diving into this <laughs> a little bit. So, so here, did you have any idea? Any of this? No. Was, so you no. thought everything was fine. You were just well, we had problems, but I didn't think it was to the point of like, let's just get divorced. I thought it was let's have a therapist or let's work on this. Things aren't great, but it was pretty shocking that, you know, on text message, let's get divorced. Yeah. So so what'd you do with that information? Like what I could just imagine you see you're looking at the text 
what went through you? I mean, what, what did you experience right then? Um, <laughs> a lot of rage, a lot of um, feeling worthless, feeling clueless, feeling like my life was over, um, feeling completely helpless and so alone and so isolated um, and just not valued, right? Um, all of those things just came flooding immediately and probably some panic, just complete panic attack and feeling frozen like a deer in headlights. You know, it's what's so typical of betrayal. It's all of those emotions you just said. And think about any combination of those would make it hard to just get through your day, right? Like the rage and the, the, the sadness, the overwhelm and the, you know, the anger, like any of those. And that's what happens with betrayal. It is so shocking and it's all at once. So that, yeah. you know, that experience like tattoos itself on our mind and on our, and on our heart. And, and then of course the physical things happen as well. So what did you, so what was your next step? So you're, you're reading this text, you're like in shock, you're overwhelmed. You can't believe it. You're angry. You're like, what the heck? What happened? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, this is going to sound really silly, but I went to a Disney movie at a movie theater <laughs> to <laughs> calm down. Uh, cause I was just so overwhelmed that I knew that if I talked to anybody, it wouldn't make any sense. And so I just went to a tool and a way for me to calm myself down before I connected with anyone. Right. And I want to stop you right there too, because that's another, that th this is really important. What happens is there's healthy distractions and the unhealthy distractions, right? The, the unhealthy distractions are when we use things like food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior, but we're using them to numb, avoid, distract ourselves from something we're unwilling to feel or face. What you just shared, that was a healthy distraction. That was, my emotions are too high and I need to get them down a little bit so that I could think a little more clearly. And that was a, it was actually a brilliant strategy. So, you know, so how did that work? So you, you went into the Disney movie, right? <laughs> and did you feel a little bit different when you, you know, when the movie was over? What, what happened? I mean, not really. When you have that kind of betrayal and that kind of raw emotion, overwhelm, just flooding through your system, it's really hard to come down from that um, without, you know, medication probably. <laughs> um, it helped a little bit because I think I needed time in a safe space alone um, to collect my thoughts and figure out what I needed to do next. So instead of reacting right away, I went to that movie, I cried, I laughed, um, mostly cried, and then I called my mom and got support through my family to, you know, feel protected and safe, and my mom was actually relieved. She never thought my husband at the time was good for me and did not like the way he treated me towards the end of our marriage, so she was relieved that we didn't have kids and that, you know, this was happening. Um, and then she was offering ideas for next steps and, you know, actions to take and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it was, I mean, the support is so important and, and it's the kind of thing that so often we're so filled with shame or embarrassment or whatever it is. And we suffer and struggle in silence, but you reached out to your mom um, and that really seemed to help you. 
what, what else did you do to start moving through it? Yeah. Well, so the other thing that I did, this, you know, wasn't immediate, but as I reflected more on my part of what didn't work out in the marriage was I realized that I was really codependent and that I knew I didn't want to end up in an emotionally abusive relationship like this again. And that a lot of that had to do with making sure I was strong and that I was showing up as the person I wanted to be to attract the right partner in the future. So I, you know, went through all of the things of selling the house and finding my new spot and, you know, dealing with life as a single person. But at the same time, I found a community through my church that I found, it's called Celebrate Recovery. And I joined a group and then did a step study a year later and didn't date anybody except for myself for at least a year. And I found that, you know, Friday nights is date night. And when you get divorced uh, or you're breaking up from a long-term relationship, it's really hard to be alone on Friday night. And so I did this challenge where I dated myself for probably six months on Friday nights because all my plans that I would try to make with friends or with a potential date just didn't work. And they would always get canceled. And I was like, okay, well, let's break this pattern. So I started dating myself. I'd, you know, make a fancy meal. I'd buy a nice bottle of wine. I'd rent a movie I wanted to see. And eventually that turned into loving myself and accepting myself and working on the codependency stuff. And then I was in such a healthier and stronger place that I could show up as who I wanted to be and who I wanted to um, potentially attract a future partner from this new place of confidence and being who I was. You know, there are so many things you said that I, that I absolutely love. And, you know, starting with the idea of taking a look at how you showed up in the relationship and realizing that you were codependent. And unless you dealt with that and did something with it, the best, you know, the only thing you can hope for is more of the same. So this is where so many people find themselves in repeat betrayals and the same experience, just a different face because they don't heal that. So your awareness in, in realizing, wow, you know what, this was my part right here and I need to do, to do something about that. Brilliant. That's when, and I always talk about once that lesson is learned, there's no reason to keep repeating it. So it sounds like that was a really powerful lesson to learn and you, you got it. You got that lesson. I love the idea of dating yourself. You know, so many of us struggle with self-love and giving ourselves any sort of self-care. And it sounds like it was the perfect opportunity to really give yourself specific, a specific time for that self-love and that self-care. And, and I think you said it, it led to um, accepting yourself and loving yourself, which think about it, when we're you know, looking for someone else, well, what's the best way to attract that something? Have it, give that, right? We, we so often we want other people to have those qualities. Well, the best way to find it is to have it yourself. So then this way, you know, it's, you're radiating at the same level. Beautiful. So, okay. So you started this whole dating, self-dating thing and the, the self-love grew and the uh, accepting yourself grew. What was next? Yeah. So I did the codependency step study and that was a year long commitment. It's just like any 12 step um, program, like Alcoholics Anonymous. We all have some kind of addiction that we can work on. Mm -hmm. And one of the big steps there that was profound for me was doing my spiritual inventory. 
So all of the wrongs that I needed to ask for forgiveness and get really clear on um, was really hard, a really hard step for me. And so I decided to take a backpacking trip for this. And um, finally, got the solitude that I needed alone. I went backpacking alone because I knew that the biggest fear I needed to face was my own mental chatter, my own anxiety. And if I could face that, I could face anything, right? And so I went through that exercise and got that done um, and completed the step study, graduated from Celebrate Recovery, and I still stick to that. And what's amazing is probably about six months into the step study, so a year into the Celebrate Recovery program or a year and a half later of being single, I had started dating again and had really clear definitions of what I wanted in the relationship to prevent the same pattern and was just getting horrible guys, like the worst. And so finally- In a way, in a way that's so great because it was an opportunity for you to see, oh, wait a second, maybe the old me would have thought that's okay, but it sort of showed you who you are. Is that what happened? Like it showed you your growth that that no longer was acceptable to you? Well, it did a couple of things. It did that. Plus I, this is really funny. I went on a hike with a friend and I said, I'm just going to focus on my career and myself. And if I'm supposed to meet somebody, God's going to have to like throw it in my face. And the next morning I met my boyfriend of seven years and I had already met, I had already known his parents. So I knew quite a bit about him because I was friends with his parents and asked his parents permission to date him because they lived in the house where I was renting the in-law unit and all of that. And what's really interesting is once we, when we started dating, he was not my typical pattern. And so I had to kind of go through this mental exercise of like, I was in love with his brain and who he was, but there were certain elements that weren't my normal pattern. And I had to recognize along the process of giving it a chance because I was trying to break this pattern that clearly wasn't working. And so it's interesting. I'll talk to girlfriends and they start dating somebody and they're like, oh, he's not the perfect height and he's not this. And I'm like, okay, we're trying to break this pattern. Like clearly the way you've been dating hasn't been working. So give yourself some grace, give the guy a chance. And it's really about your top foundational priorities for the relationship. And I'm so grateful I was able to do that because he was the opposite of who I thought I was going to date. And I, I love how you said um, he wasn't the normal type. And that's exactly why he was probably a much better fit for you. Because normal, normal doesn't mean good. It only means familiar. Right. And it sounds like to date someone who felt normal meant you know, more of the same, more of the familiar, more of what I don't want, more of what I've outgrown. So, so that was great that you, you saw, okay, that feels normal, which isn't a fit and what doesn't feel normal may feel a fit. How did you notice yourself changing as you started dating someone who wasn't normal, like your normal type? Well, I mean, it's not comfortable. So it's, it's interesting when people say their top priority is finding their life, their life partner. I'm like, okay, well, it's going to be uncomfortable to do that because what you've done to date hasn't worked. And so you have to get comfortable with something that's uncomfortable, but you also have to have a lot of self-awareness. And I find that so many people just don't do the work on themselves or they don't love themselves. So for me, I realized one, I kept a lot of space and distance to make sure I still kept my self-care standards. I was still doing you know, date nights every other Friday with myself. Um, and I wasn't trying to 
jump in too fast into the relationship because I knew I was really codependent and I was still healing that. Um, I knew I didn't want to move in with somebody right away or jump into a really massive commitment right away. So I was able to take baby steps and have more healthy boundaries, be really upfront and clear early on in the relationship for what I was ideally looking for so that there was no miscommunication. And, and then I, I also, yeah. And, I, and even, I, I just, I have to stop you because think of it, and there are so many people watching this, listening to this, who are gonna say, wow, you know what? The whole boundary issue, you're really redefining how you wanted to move into this relationship. So here you were committed to these Friday night dating myself thing. And, and did he say, Hey, what are you doing Friday night? And he said, I have a date and with who myself. Like, how did that, how did that go? And how did it feel to just really set those boundaries like that? Because that probably was very unfamiliar for you. Yeah. Well, I'm really lucky. My, my significant other is pretty amazing because I was very open with him in the beginning. So he knew I was in Celebrate Recovery for codependency. He knew that I was working on making sure that I had healthy boundaries. He knew what that meant and asked questions about it. He actually cared. Um, he went to my Celebrate Recovery graduation. He like brought me flowers to that. He was really supportive of my self goals and self growth needs and really curious and interested. And he also knew all of the drama from my past relationship. He knew that my ex-husband was still kind of stalking me at the time, which is ironic since he asked for the divorce. And so he knew like what he looked like and if he came around to call the police and all this stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, it, he was just the opposite. He was so supportive and was just so kind. And, and I knew it was different because it was a complete 180 from my past relationship. He made me feel like the best version of myself versus the worst version of myself. Let's talk about the trust process a little bit because it certainly takes time. And having that shock of that text that's just a moment like that. You can destroy trust, absolutely destroyed. How did you, how did trust slowly become rebuilt enough that you felt safe again? Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of an ongoing thing, right? In relationships, it's not like trust is a steady state. Um, we all know relationships are, they have their ups and downs. We have our good seasons. We have our off seasons. We have our low seasons. Um, I would say a lot of people with the pandemic right now are struggling more than typical. Um, so it's, it's an ongoing thing. In the beginning of our relationship, it was really about him listening and expressing curiosity, showing up consistently. Um, his listening skills were just phenomenal. The fact that he knew how abused I was verbally in the past and made sure he never said anything negative, like he was very complimentary and uplifting. That was something that I needed and needed quite a bit. And I think that in many ways, early on, my relationship with him helped me heal a lot of stuff that I'm not sure I could have healed on my own as quickly. Um, I needed somebody outside of myself to confirm that I was lovable because it's not like you don't think you're lovable, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't that I didn't think I was, but to be in a healthy relationship where I was capable of 
being in that safe space to receive love and give love, it's very different than just doing the work on yourself. And so it was really empowering. Um, and then, you know, if, as you have bad seasons, it's really about open communication and then saying, this is what I need from you to rebuild our trust and get back to a place where we're on solid ground and being open to do that work and rebuild the trust versus just run away. Because once you've had that kind of um, you know, betrayal, it's so easy to go back to that when something shocks the system in future relationships. And so knowing that that is a trigger and stopping and being an observer and then giving the, your partner the chance and not comparing them to your past partner is so important and it's not easy to do. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting because Trust definitely takes time and it takes willingness. And here's where relationships give you the most beautiful way to show yourself who you are and how you've grown because we really can't test it by ourselves. So, so it's almost like that other person is there to reveal to us who we are and how we've grown and how we're showing up and what we've let go of and what we still need to work on. And it's all there right in front of us in the form of that other person. So it's, it's almost like a, a different look at codependency. It's not like I need them because I don't know what to do on my own. It's almost like I, I, I'm valuing this example of this other person showing me who I am. I don't know yeah. if I explain that, but I, I kind of know how it's in my head. Okay. So, so beautiful. So then trust was slowly being rebuilt. It, it happens over time and you're realizing, well, this is very unfamiliar, but it's, it's good. It shows who I, who I am now and, and who I've become. What did it lead to as far as things like business and other areas of life? Yeah. So that came later, but I, <laughs> I had a lot of business betrayals um, and I worked in corporate America for, you know, 13 years and I was extremely dedicated. And for example, one company I was with for four and a half years, I had built several new products, customer experiences. I was considered to be one of the top performing employees and I was laid off and it really a lot of layoffs I, I can kind of predict, but this one really came out of left field and I was really shocked. It, it felt like a betrayal because I had invested so much loyalty, energy, and time into that, um, that role. And so this happened several times. I was laid off three or four times over a seven-year period of time. Wow. And, and that shock I, never gets easy. No. <laughs> right? It never gets easy. Okay. So well, yeah. And for people that think like, oh, a layoff, it's not, a, it's a really big deal. You know, it's part of your identity and like you put all this time into it. So it is a betrayal. How did you pick yourself up after each one? And what did you, what did you tell yourself? Like, did you say, because you, you could have after two or three layoffs said, well, it's, it's me. It's, it's something I'm doing. It's something I'm being. What did you, what did you tell yourself? Well, for one, I got severance packages. So that's always helpful financially. And it makes you feel a little bit less burnt because they are sharing some resources for you to make that transition versus just burning the bridge. Um, one layoff in particular, they escorted you out of the building. Um, so that one was really, uh, really 
emotional because it's like, okay, I've been with you for this long and you don't trust me to do the right thing. Um, so that was harder emotionally. But for me, I never thought it was something that I did. It was like, these were massive layoffs. It wasn't just me. It was group layoffs. And this is just a reflection of where the company is going, the economy, a lot of things. And with the pandemic right now, I'm sure there's tons of people that are experiencing this and it's really difficult. It's not a reflection of your performance, especially when it's batch layoffs. It's simply numbers. And the thing I had to wrap my head around after the fourth layoff was it's, they're just not invested in you. Like it's not this, um, this relationship that's being built in a way that is equal. And I knew that that wasn't going to work for me anymore, that I wanted more, not control, but um, more, I didn't really want to go through that experience again. I didn't want to feel undervalued and let go consistently. And so I decided to start my own business and help empower people that have ideas to start their own companies so that we stop these massive layoffs and enable more entrepreneurs to be successful and aligned in a passionate area and control the balance of their life, which you have more power to do when you have your own business versus working for a company. Right. And, and I mean, being an entrepreneur for 28 years, you become truly unemployable. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. I know for sure. But it's also, and I've seen so consistently how your biggest crisis reveals your greatest gift always. And we look at it at the time as, oh my gosh, this is the most horrible, terrible, tragic thing. But because of that, it really inspires action and it, it has us do something we never would have done had that not happened. And it sounds like in your case, if you weren't laid off all those times, you wouldn't have really felt so passionate about, you know what, forget this, I'm starting my own thing. And, and I'm going to help other people navigate these, you know, these new waters and then just the whole entrepreneurial world. Because, um, and I see that so often with someone that's the, that's really the incentive to start their own business or they've healed from a health challenge. And then because of that, they teach, you know, help people how to not go down that rabbit hole or, you know, in my case, the betrayal, you know, experience and then helping people through that. And when we use those experiences to help others, I mean, that's when it truly is a gift. So you took that experience, you were laid off all those times because of it, you created your own, your own business. And, and it was really, it sounds like it was really fueled by what you had learned and what you'd experienced. What, I mean, what, what was like, were people receptive to it? Was it, how did it grow? I mean, how did it get started and how did it grow? Yeah. Interestingly enough, I started as a health coach because my layoffs were coupled with health challenges and I wanted to break that pattern and empower other people that were having that same experience to get their health back because you can't really do anything successfully if you don't have your health. And so I worked on myself. I got certified as a health coach and a life coach. And I thought that health coaching was going to be my end all be all. But I quickly discovered that I wanted to do something even bigger. I wanted to empower future business owners. And so my tagline for my business is health clarity business, because while I focus mostly on business strategy and marketing and PR and making sure you can build scale your team and your company, I really believe, and it always comes up with every single client, whether in the beginning or at some point when a crisis occurs, 
health is at the root of our being. And so if we don't have our health, we don't have the energy to do what we're passionate about. And so it's really important to circle back to that. And if we're not clear, we're ultimately building a business that's not going to support our life priorities and what we want in life. And I can't tell you how many times I'll start working with a new client and they've built a job, not a business. Mm -hmm. And it's a business or a job that's not aligned with what they want in their life. And so we have to put together a strategy to transform that and shift that over time. And you can't sustain it if you don't have the energy or the, or the health behind it. And it's just another example. And Ali, I have to tell you, there are so many people I have on the show who share their health challenges because of betrayal. It is absolutely undeniable. I mean, we have the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. I see it every single day. The health issues linked to that type of mental and emotional trauma. And it sounds like that's what, what happened with you too. And in rebuilding your health, you know, if that's the foundation, you could build something beautiful on top of that, which it sounds like that's what you did, but you cannot. It's, it's on shaky, unstable ground if you don't have your health. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Yeah. You know, I think the most important thing is, is you, if you're going through a recent betrayal or a recent challenge and you're feeling really alone and isolated, I promise you, you're not alone and you will get through this and believe it or not, you probably won't believe it right now. You'll look back at this and you'll have learned so much. It is so important to just recognize your own strength and your own power and I can't tell you how many times the clients I work with, my friends, myself personally, that it's so much sweeter at the top of the summit once you've gone through some of your biggest and your darkest, worst betrayals. Um, it ends up just being such an amazing, freeing experience once you get through that darkness. So I just want to encourage you, um, work with Debbie, work with people like me and get the help that you need. And don't be shy about reaching out for support because we all need support. You know, I love that. And you, it's so true. You're so much stronger than you think. And it's only when we're tested do we get to see that and we get to just strengthen all of those muscles that really weren't strengthened beforehand. So where do we go to learn more about you? Yeah, so there's a couple ways. You can go to hollyjeanjackson.com or inspirationcontagion.com, which is my podcast, which Debbie is also going to be mm -hmm. featured on in an episode. Um, so let's share inspiration instead of all of the crazy negativity in the world. And I'd love to connect with all of you. Oh, that sounds great. Holly, I want to thank you so much. There you have it, everybody. Here's another example of someone who took their biggest crisis, turned it into their greatest gift. Holly's a perfect example of that. Rebuilt her health, rebuilt her relationship, a new relationship, rebuilt really her business, rebuilt her life. And, uh, and that's, it's common. You just have to face it, feel it, feel it. So thank you so much, Holly. We so appreciate you. Thank you, Debbie. I really appreciate it. I loved so many things about what Holly shared and how she realized that her biggest fear was facing her mental chatter. When she took it on, she was able to sort through the noise and decide what was saying and what had to go. Stay in touch with Holly by going to hollygeanjackson.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Just because it's normal doesn't mean it's good. 
Actually, normal is a sign that you're not growing because it's only in the discomfort of the unfamiliar that we know we're headed for growth and change. So getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is actually a worthy goal worth striving for. Living in fear or being codependent or not taking the time to do, as Holly said, a spiritual inventory can lead to symptoms showing themselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. So start by taking the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see what may be lingering for you. And you can find that at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And have you checked out the PBT Institute membership community? Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. Community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you can schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best, all online. Nothing like this exists, and I am so excited to welcome you. Go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.